You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. My name is Ryan Schlipp, and I don't know what we're talking about today. I do know this, though. Mike Tyson is still a bad dude. I don't know if you've been seeing these things come up. and I've been seeing them for a while. They're getting more traction now. But he's been doing training videos for quite some time. And not even just training videos. Like, he was on, uh, what was it? I think Howard Stern or just different places where the, you know, guys go up to him like, dude, punch this mat real quick. And he punches it and just whatever it is, deflates it, deflates a brick. I don't know. And apparently he's planning on making some kind of a comeback. And my first thought when I heard that was, you know, I mean, training videos are one thing, but actual boxing, that's a different animal, man. And depending on who he goes against, it's just going to be hard to watch and it's going to be sad and it's going to be depressing. Like, oh, Mike, why did you do it? And then you watch those training videos, and it's like, no, no, he's going to win. He's going to kill somebody. Somebody is going to the hospital. Somebody will be in the ICU before the end of the first round. The guy is insane. And I'll tell you what, here's the other thought I had. I know people give Mike some grief, especially in his past, you know. Seems to be, have, seems to have exercised some demons in his later years in life, being a better person and all that whatnot. But people give him grief about being a little crazy back in the day. But have you seen how unbelievably gifted he is? I, I, I feel like I'm a good person. But if I was that talented at punching stuff, I don't know if it would be safe to be around me. At the very least, I'd be like, dude, let me, ch- let me show you something real quick. How do you not punch stuff when you're violent? And after a while, you get tired of punching pads. And it's like, that guy over there is getting a little rowdy. You talking about that kid and his dog? Look, I, you know, he's getting a little out of hand in my neighbor. I'm just saying, it's a good thing I wasn't blessed with those gifts. Because the man is a specimen. Anyways, welcome to the show. Just thought I'd uh, get that off my chest. In other news, I don't know if you saw this. Pretty hilarious. And I can't even really give him a shout out because his uh, Reddit name is slightly inappropriate. But apparently there was a guy. I don't know the entire backstory. I feel I, I I heard something that wasn't that impressive, but let's just let's let the legend live, okay? There was a guy who was out there on Reddit, and he started breaking news before anybody knew it about the Seattle Seahawks. Kind of made a name for himself as an insider. So yesterday I'm on Twitter and I start seeing buzz about, dude, something's going on in Seattle. Somebody even posted something saying Seattle fans are doing that weird thing, where they're talking about something happening without telling us something's happening, but something's happening over there. There was just this buzz. Apparently, this guy on Reddit, who is a insider, said that behind closed doors, there is a trade taking place between the Seattle Seahawks and the Cleveland, uh, yeah, Cleveland Browns for Miles Garrett. Seahawks fans lost their mind. They're freaking out. Dude, we're about to get Miles Garrett. 
Can you believe it? We're gonna be so good! And then it went dark for a while. Went a little quiet. We're waiting for news. Where's it? When's it coming, man? When's it coming? Where is the news? It was at that time that this Reddit Seahawks insider made a post basically exclaiming that over the last days, weeks, months, years, I don't know how long he's been building up this clout, he has built up this clout as a Seattle Seahawks insider for the express purpose of creating one big story that is a lie so that Seahawks fans get their hopes up and then are crushed as payback for the fail Mary. This is a Green Bay Packers fan who has been doing the longest troll of all time. That is some serious... Again, I don't. for all I know, he's, he made one prediction, which is kind of what it sounds like, made one prediction that wasn't that impressive. But you know what? He still built up the clout and people still believed him. Apparently he even got on like a radio station. I don't know, man. But whoever you are, sir, if you happen to listen to the show, massive props. Visionary. Also, you have probably created a horrible environment in which now we're going to have double agents within fan bases. So I at least appreciate that we fired the first shot. If we're going to be in a war, I want to be the team that started the war, all right? Also wins, but at least started. We know we're at least in the history books for that, so burn. Some other good news. Nothing is definitive right now, but, you know, I talked a little bit about COVID maybe a week ago about the fact that it does seem, in my opinion, as though the NFL is pushing to open, to start. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom, but I think it's being a little over-exaggerated from some very pessimistic people who claim definitively there will not be a season. We got some new news here. Again, nothing is definitive, but owners have approved MLB season proposal plan for July start. And this is for early July the MLB season would be starting. I'm sure there's a whole lot of stuff that needs to take place and a whole lot of T's crossed and lowercase j's dotted and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of the doom and gloom, regardless of all the stuff that people are talking about, the vast majority of states are either open or opening. The MLB is talking about starting. The NFL has said we're going to start. Maybe not publicly, but we talked about it last week. It's basically people that are within the inner circle have no doubt. There is no question there will be an NFL season. Now, some of that probably isn't in their control. States like Illinois, the way that they're talking, they're not going to allow any stadium openings. Okay, fine. I don't know. I don't know how you work around that, but my inclination is that they will. Also, and again, we'll see what happens, but let me just dispel this other thing real quick, this this notion that even if you open up stadiums, no one's going to show up. You're wrong about that. You are 100,000% wrong. Do me a favor. Find out in your town which businesses are open. Drive to them and tell me how many of these businesses that are open are empty and how many of them are completely wall-to-wall filled. Every single place that you find that can be open is completely filled to capacity. We had to take um, our cars in. We had two cars down at the same time. We took it to a Meineke down the street, and across the street from Meineke is a Menards. That Menards parking lot does not have a single spot open ever. Are there really that many people that have to do home improvement projects right now? I have never seen a Menards that filled 24 hours a day. People will go anywhere they're allowed to go. If you open up parks, there is people wall-to-wall filled in that park. 
And so while there are some people that when I went to Meineke yesterday, it was, it was almost a little comical. I don't mean to make fun of the poor young lady. I'm sure she's a great person and all that stuff. She was having a panic attack because there were three people in this Meineke. As she was trying to come in, somebody walked out and she literally jumped and hid behind the door. And then as she was trying to come in, I was standing there and she asked if I could please step up to the desk so she could walk past me. So there are some people who are just traumatized for life. They're going to wear masks their whole lives and walk around drinking hand sanitizer and pray to the COVID gods and, and whatever for the rest of their lives. But I'm telling you, if you have week one Green Bay Packers or you know whenever their first home game is, and at that time, if, not saying it will be, but if Wisconsin allows there to be a Packers game and allows everybody to come in, no restrictions, I te- I'm telling you 100% positive, it will be sold out. There is not a shred of doubt in my mind. People will sit arm to arm in Lambeau Field without a single gap in that entire stadium. Because although there are several people, for, for every person who will refuse to go out, and there are a lot, and for great reason, and I'm not picking on anybody, there are 10 people who would go get their nails done if that was the only thing open. People just want to get out of their house. Especially when there's been nothing to do, there's been no sports, and suddenly, guess what? Surprise! Football's not only going on, but you can go to the stadium, no restriction. Dude, they're going. So, it's all it's all good signs. And again, I think the only hurdle that I can see is places like California, Illinois, New York, places that have a lot of people, lots of daily infections, where the curve is still... Well, New York isn't. New York's actually at the bottom. I mean, they've got a lot of daily infections, but as far as the curve goes, they are, they are bottoming out. But places that seem to be trending up, which is almost none of them. And it's May. There are, what, 15 states that aren't reopened right now? Wisconsin yesterday just started reopening. I just I just feel like the time, things are moving so quickly toward the reopening. And it's May? I just don't see how in September... I know this is supposed to come back. I get all that. But how is it going to come back more violently if a massive number of people have already gotten this thing? It can't. And now we're starting to see that this has, in fact, been here since January. There's tests coming back. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying it. it just... Despite the hysteria, there's the all the information is pointing in only one direction that I can see. Maybe the Bears fans just won't have any fans in the stands. I don't know. I can't imagine shutting an entire NFL season down because Illinois is being ridiculous. Saying they're going to be shut down for, what, 15 to 20 months or whatever nonsense that guy said? Good, great, fine. I guess the Bears are canceled. Sorry. The rest of the world is moving on. So I don't know. We'll keep checking back in on it. But, um, again, all the news, I shouldn't say all the news. All the real information seems to be pointing in one direction, in my opinion. And that's a good thing. Again, get excited about it. There's no reason to be mad about that. I didn't say you have to go to the games. I just said you will have the opportunity, more than likely, to watch it on your television. Yay! Right? Anyways, I think it's break time. Um, I want to take you through, because I keep talking about the, uh, the not comment section, that's not a thing for podcasts. The description. The description of this episode. I keep saying you can go there and get a bunch of information, but I continually get questions about how, where do I find this, how do I find this, it, even though it, literally every episode I say it's it's in the, uh, the comment section. So, for example, as I'm looking at the links that I provide and I want to add the YouTube channels, we currently have not as much stuff as we probably should, but, you know, it is what it is. The Apple slash iTunes link. Don't know why, it's just there just in case you're curious. 
my 2021 big board, if you're curious about the draft stuff. Packernet merchandise, t-shirts, right? If you want to get some good Packers swag, which I'm, I'm kind of getting frustrated with that. The last two designs I've done have been taken down and no comment, no recourse. I can't even find it anywhere on my store. I can't even, there's nothing that even says this was deleted or removed or this is the problem with it and here's how you fix it. It's just gone. So I'm a little wary of paying for more designs and whatnot because I'm just worried that I'm going to pay, you know, lots of money for a really good design, post it, and after one person buys it, they're going to go, eh, nope, bye, gone. So I, I don't know. But anyways, the shirts that I do have are still there, and if you're looking at getting some merchandise, please check that out. There is Buy Me a Coffee, which is just another way to support the show. I'm going to add Patreon right now. I don't know why that's not there. But then there is also the telephone number to my little Google Voice thing, a place where you can call or text. Um, if you want to just text a question for the show, feel free to do so. If you want to call in and leave a voicemail, again, I'm not going to be picking it up. It doesn't even ring. It just goes directly to voicemail, and then I get a little message saying, hey, you got a, a thing for the show or whatever. So all that is there. If you need that information, it's there. Otherwise, please make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Five-star iTunes review would be great. If you don't have iTunes, as I don't, you could always go to Stitcher and also leave a five-star review. You don't even have to have an account, so you don't have to go through that annoying process. You just drop a five-star review and a comment, and you're on your way. And again, it's really just about, as people are sifting through trying to find Packers Podcasts, and uh, there's a billion to choose from. And in a lot of platforms, I'm nowhere near even the top of the list when you type in Packers. It's nice to have a little bit of an edge so that if they're searching through iTunes or whatever, trying to find reviews, they can see, oh, this show has a lot of reviews and they're all very positive, so I should probably check it out. That's the theory anyways. But uh, why don't we take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
got your happy price, Priceline. So one thing that kind of occurred to me, somebody on Twitter had posted that I think it was Amon Green is the leading rusher for the Packers. Let me verify that quickly. should probably have my uh, information up since I'm doing a podcast. Sometimes I forget I'm not just sitting in my living room talking to another Packers fan. It's a little too laid back sometimes. Yeah, so the Packers' leading rusher is Amon Green with 8,300 yards. Jim Taylor from 58 to 66 has 8,200 yards. The next highest is John Brockington with a little over 5,000 yards. And it kind of occurred to me, I was picking on the Chicago Bears because they've never really had a good passer, and obviously quarterback is the most important thing. But the Green Bay Packers, no disrespect to Amon Green, fantastic running back. Yes, I said fantastic, don't worry about it. I say my words, you say your words, okay? As great as he is and was, the Packers have never really had a really, really great running back. And if you think about the NFC North, every other team has. In fact, the in terms of just rushing yards, the next best, meaning coming in third in the NFC North, believe it or not, is Adrian Peterson, which is just shocking because the guy is one of the greatest, at least in my lifetime. But Adrian Peterson, and I'm sure he, you know, he probably played less of the years or whatever. I'm not trying to knock. I'm just, I'm just going down the list, man. Adrian Peterson, 11,747 yards. Either way you want to break it down, Amon Green and Adrian Peterson, we're talking about very different tiers. There's probably a couple tiers in between the two of them. Then you've got Barry Sanders with the Lions coming in in second place. Barry Sanders, second place, 15,269 yards. Because Mr. Walter Payton has 16,726 yards for the Chicago Bears. Just absolute legends. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about guys that even amongst rivals, you give respect. As a Packer fan, I will never talk trash about Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, or Adrian Peterson. Maybe a little bit about Adrian Peterson, because, you know, he's pretty bad with money and and, uh, beats his kids and whatnot. But for the most part, strictly talking football, these are guys that are just due respect, period. And even if we get past yards, because Matt Forte only had 8,600 yards, which is kind of blowing my mind. And maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe Amon Green was on that same level. I feel like Matt Forte is a, a tier up from Amon Green. Point is, we've never really had that running back that's just... And maybe we're just talking about different eras, but we've never had that guy that's just that guy. And Aaron Jones might be kind of on the cusp. And I know he's going to have to be here for a long time and going to have to carry the ball a lot more and all that to be anywhere near in terms of just total yardage. But you look at yards per carry and just general impact and all that. He's a special player, but man, we've just never really had that guy. And it kind of just, you know, again, offseason is a time for optimism. And I know nobody likes, a, I shouldn't say nobody, nobody outside of Green Bay Packers fans likes A.J. Dillon because everybody's just still having a blast talking about how terrible the Packers draft was. And, you know, once groupthink takes hold, man, you're not allowed to say anything positive about the Packers draft or you're just outcast from the groupthink community, and that would be the worst thing ever. But in the name of optimism, in the name of just unabashed, unabashed, I feel like you have to say the ed in some of these words, and I don't know why. It's dumb. It's kind of pompous, but it, it kind of sounds good sometimes. Makes me sound intelligent, even though I'm probably saying it wrong. Like, I filed for a restraining order. I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes I say that. But it just kind of got me thinking, because again, nobody... And it's a little bit weird when you consider the Green Bay Packers' track record of actually drafting offensive players early. I, I feel like I mentioned it yesterday, but how many times have the Packers missed? And I'm not just talking about wide receivers... I feel like the Packers do a pretty good job. I mean, I, I, I believe they traded back in the second round and got Eddie Lacy. 
And we could play that same game where we go through and look at all the running backs taken in the first and second round. Not you know, early first have been relative hits for the most part. But I'm guessing most second round picks aren't that good. Packers take a swing once in the last, you know, 150 years of their history in the second round, and they land Eddie Lacy, who, despite all the mocking because of his weight issues, was a really good running back. And by the way, kind of similar to A.J. Dillon. He's an oversized guy with not a lot of speed. Right? I mean, what's he going to do in today's era? Oh, I don't know. Be a really good running back, actually. That's what he did in today's era. And A.J. Dillon, I think, has more speed and more agility, maybe slightly less power, but and then again, you look at Derrick Henry, and it's like, well, he's not Derrick Henry. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know why it's so ridiculous to everybody that second-round pick Derrick Henry is automatically going to be so much better than second-round pick A.J. Dillon. Like, why that's just a foregone conclusion, I have no idea. Especially considering the breakout year for Derrick Henry only took place after Matt LaFleur came in and took over. Suddenly, Derrick Henry fulfilled my prophecy that he's better than Ezekiel Elliott. And yeah, I said it. And I've been saying it since he got drafted in the second round and stood on the ground that I don't like Ezekiel Elliott very much. And it's unfair that he's running behind this freakish offensive line. And lo and behold, here we are, and Derrick Henry is suddenly the better running back. But big running backs like that cannot succeed in today's NFL. I don't know how people can say those words. While literally a couple months ago, they were talking about how Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. How can you forget that quickly? Derrick Henry is 6'3", 247. A.J. Dillon is 6'2", 247. And by the way, I don't think height works to your advantage when you're a running back. I don't think those extra three inches are going to help. Again, A.J. Dillon's biggest benefit in terms of training him and getting him to improve is going to be telling him to lower his pads and drive his legs. That's where his power is going to come from. Getting low is a benefit. By the way, did you know his name is Algiers? Algiers Jamil William Dillon. All right, then. But again, somehow, simultaneously, and yeah, we're just we're just getting jacked about A.J. Dillon. That's all we're doing right now. And apparently, some more uh, trivia for you, Derrick Henry's nickname is Tractorcito? Something like that? Okay. Learning all kinds of things today. Six foot three, 247 pounds. Can't succeed in today's NFL. Ran for 1,540 yards and 16 touchdowns. 102.7 yards per game. Uh, Led the NFL in yards. Led the NFL in rushing attempts. Led the NFL in touchdowns. Led the NFL in yards per game. But you cannot succeed in the NFL when you're this big. Apparently, Matt LaFleur just wants to go back to 1962. Or he wants to go back... Um, you know, one year ago, or year and a half, two years ago, when he was the head coach or the offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry. And he wants a guy that can carry the ball 300 times in a season, which is what Derrick Henry did. Which he probably won't, because, you know, again, Aaron Jones is going to be utilized quite a bit. But he led the league in rushing attempts. And no, that's not why he, well, he only had 1,500 yards because he had 303 yards or a rushing attempt. Well, yeah, you're not going to get to 1,500 yards without 303 attempts, but he also had 5.1 yards per attempt. Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. And again, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one. Automatically, he's Derrick Henry. But again, it is a little hilarious that literally people can say simultaneously Derrick Henry is the best running back in football and A.J. Dillon cannot succeed in today's NFL. Please tell me how those two things are compatible. So let's just get rid of the whole he can't succeed thing. And I don't even know why. He ran a 4-5-3. 
I could understand if he was 250 pounds of pure muscle and ran a 4.7 where you're like, dude, look, this is uh, a little bit too throwback for me. All right, I get it, right? I mean, fullbacks as running backs doesn't really work out all that great. Do you know who the number one ranked runner via PFF? We're talking pure just runner now. Rushing grade via PFF is Nick Chubb. The guy's 227 pounds, ran a 4.52. A.J. Dillon is as fast as Nick Chubb. Aaron Jones, by the way, 4.56. Aaron Jones is 5'9", 208 pounds. A.J. Dillon is faster. I'm not talking more agile, any of that stuff, but I, I have even made the comment that he'll never be able to quite break away the way Aaron Jones does. Dude, he's faster than Aaron Jones. Now, I, I can't say that he's got quite as much wind. He might have an A.J. Jeez. He might have an Eddie Lacy thing where 20 yards down the field, he's kind of huffing and puffing and slowing down quite a bit. But, I mean, it is a 40-yard dash. That's speed over 40 yards. If you're faster than Aaron Jones over 40 yards, I mean, how much further do you have to go to get to the end zone? Where are we running from, the 20? Our 20? I'm not opposed to criticism, but let's at least try to get our facts straight, myself included. Sitting over here talking about, well, you know, he's not quite as fast as Aaron Jones, but hey, what are you going to do? He's more powerful. He'll be the goal line back, and Aaron Jones will be the speed back. No. A 4.59 is the average for a running back, according to our lab. The average 40 time for a running back is a 4.59.40. He's 4-5-3. A.J. Dillon is, a, is an above-average running back in terms of just speed. Yeah, he's a little below average in his three-cone. Whatever. It's hard to stop all that weight. Again, he's not Christian McCaffrey. But guess who else isn't? Derrick Henry. A.J. Dillon's three-cone time was a 7-1-9. The average is 7. So that's significantly slower. Derrick Henry was 7-2-0. By the way, 22 bench reps compared to 23 bench reps. Derrick Henry was one of the Highest performing running backs in his draft class with the vert getting 37 inches. A.J. Dillon got 41. Broad jump, Derrick Henry 130. A.J. Dillon 131. So he had a faster three cone. He had a faster 40. He had a significantly higher vert. He had one more rep on the bench. And he's bigger despite being shorter. So he is a bigger back in terms of total mass or pounds per, per inch or whatever. He's a little bit faster. He's a little bit stronger. He's more explosive. And he's at least as agile, if not slightly more agile. As Derrick Henry, the number one running back in football right now. So is it okay for me to get excited, or am I supposed to follow this narrative that he can't succeed in today's NFL because he's 247 pounds, despite the fact that he's as fast as guys like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and everybody else. But he's big, so he can't succeed. I mean, and the fact that that's coming from national media people. These are people that have... God, you know, at the very least, they're surrounded by really smart people. They've been in the business for a long time. They should know how to be able to figure this stuff out. I mean, I, I, I have said consistently, look, I, I, I don't know this stuff. And when I do these video breakdowns for you guys, I'm, I'm trying to just give you the impression that this, this is what I'm seeing. But I don't know, man. I'm not a scout. I'm not a coach. I'm none of this stuff. This is just the way I see it. And I want to show you so you can see what I see. And if I'm wrong, just tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. But sometimes I'm going through this stuff and I'm looking at A.J. Dillon and I'm hearing the analysis and, and, and listen, he's too big. This is a throwback guy. He can't succeed in the NFL. That's not even analysis. That's just that's just lazy bumper sticker style thinking, which is just surface level, no depth, nothing type analysis. Like you can't even call it analysis. It's just like this weird thought that pops up that just accidentally falls out of your mouth. And you're like, oh, probably shouldn't have said that without actually looking into it or thinking it through. Because again, you don't even need to do research to remember Derrick Henry tore up the NFL last year. That doesn't take analysis. It takes not being a dummy, which, and again, I that was my thought too. Like, dude, I don't know A.J. Dillon if it's going to work out so much. 
Oh, A.J. Dillon, you know, he's not going to be the speed guy, but, you know, he'll be able to smash people. And the same thing with, with, with Jordan Love, with A.J. Dillon, the, the critiques and stuff. It's like, did you guys even watch any of their film? The fact that Jordan Love is inaccurate? No, he's not. He's, he, his ball placement is... I just watched it was recommended on YouTube, and as I said, I sit on YouTube quite a bit. I like to think a lot of the time it's to learn stuff and be educated, but sometimes I get down the rabbit hole of watching Reno 911. It, it happens, whatever. They do have, like, full episodes on there. It's crazy. And I like to support the boys in their effort to not have to be mustacheless. Anyways, but I'm watching Jordan Love because it was recommended. And it just, all I did was watch ball placement. And it's so unbelievable how it, it's just, you look at these throws and you think, well, these are just simple completions. But, man, if you could just pick a spot on the screen and say, I, I think the, the most optimal spot for the ball to go would be there. That's exactly where the ball goes. But he gets dubbed as inaccurate because he had a bunch of picks. And it's like, you lazy bunch of bums. You have, you literally have no job but to sit around and watch football all day, and you just refuse. You just refuse to do it. And I know you're covering the entire NFL, but if you're going to have an opinion about a guy, and the depth of your analysis is, he's got a bunch of picks, therefore he's inaccurate. Come on, man. He's got problems. But find out what they are. Statistics don't tell you anything. It gives you a hint of what to look for, but you got to actually look at it. You know, I'm hearing people talk about A.J. Dillon like, well, at least he runs with great pad level. No, he doesn't. He has no agility, but he's got great pad level. Somebody was saying that. I was like, you are out of your mind. For his size, he's got a great one cut. The issue is his pad level. You have not watched A.J. Dillon. And, And somebody else was complaining about the fact that, well, he doesn't take his time. I don't mind that. You know who else doesn't take his time? Aaron Jones. You ever watch Aaron Jones? It's the weirdest thing in the world. It's like he doesn't think. He just runs. But he's still got these subtle little movements and cuts and all this stuff. It's like he's able to, at full speed, process where to go, and he just goes. It's not like Le'Veon Bell where he grabs the ball and he's just kind of jogging and trying to wait and biding his time, and then boom, there's the hole, and he goes through it. Aaron Jones just flies, and he did that in college too. So the fact that A.J. Dillon has a little bit of that, that doesn't bother me. I would rather have decisiveness than indecisiveness. I mean, if, if people talk about how running backs don't, it's not that hard in terms of being plug-and-play, and that's why they don't have much value because, granted, finding elite-level running backs is rare. Finding running backs that are capable of just kind of plugging in and, and being okay to run your system is, is they're a dime a dozen. But if there's one thing that's going to separate a running back, it's not straight-line speed, man. Again, four five mid-4-5s are some of the best running backs in football. Derrick Henry is mid-4-5s. Chubb is mid-4-5s. Aaron Jones is mid 4 five, And even the, the guys with better speed, like Ezekiel Elliott, it's high 4-4s. Four four seven compared to four five three. Whoop de doo. It's not like these guys are four twos. If I'm looking for a running back, I want a guy that's got really quick mental processing. Why? Because from the time you get the ball to the time you need to find a hole and run through it, it's it's a a, a it's a flash. And I really believe that's why Aaron Jones is so good. And again, I've said a thousand times, I can't. Some running backs, it's so easy to see. Christian McCaffrey made it easy. Ezekiel Elliott, you can see a lot of the stuff. Aaron Jones looks like he's just running. Like, he just grabs the ball and runs. Like, he's not even thinking about anything. Oh, I'll just go this way. And, oh, look, there's another hole. And it just, he makes everything look so effortless. But the fact of the matter is there's all these subtle little moves and jumps and all this stuff where it looks like he just grabs the ball and runs. It's not. But also, the fact that he's so decisive, he'll run through holes when I swear there's no hole. And the fact of the matter is nine, ta- nine running backs out of ten running backs get tackled there because that slight hesitation to say, okay, where should I go? Oh, there's a hole. Oh, oh nope. That's closed, and then they stop, and then they try to go somewhere else, and they get tackled behind the line of scrimmage. There's no hesitation with Aaron Jones. So where there is basically no hole, he's able to squeeze through it. That quick decision-making is is a really, really 
important thing and is, in my opinion, what makes Aaron Jones as good as he is. So that being a knock for A.J. Dillon is ridiculous. Now, there might be times you need patience, but I think people are mistaking quick decisions with just, like I've said with Jamal at times, it feels like he just kind of grabs the ball, closes his eyes, and runs forward and wishes for the best. I don't think that's what you see in A.J. Dillon. They look similar if you compare them side to side, where they both grab the ball and run straight ahead. But I don't think that's the case with A.J. Dillon. Now I want to go watch A.J. Dillon. Why do I have to have a job? wish today was Saturday. I could just pause this, watch an hour of A.J. Dillon, and then come finish the podcast, but I can't. And again, if there's a guy you want to get excited about, as much as I do like DeGuara and the potential that is there for him to really fit into this system, I think A.J. Dillon has the potential to be the centerpiece of a Matt LaFleur offense. What did we talk about yesterday? The fact that it usually takes a year, sometimes two years, but a, a year before this Shanahan-style system starts to shift. Usually in that first year, we just kind of stick with what we were doing before. We, this is the pieces we have. We're going to keep throwing the ball like crazy. We're going to kind of just do what we did. You know, we don't want to shock the system too much. But by year two, and at the latest year three, but usually year two is when you see a massive shift to where the team is top ten in terms of rushing attempts and goes from you know, 8th in passing to 16th or 20th or whatever in passing. Now, because we have Aaron Rodgers, I'm guessing it's not going to drop too low. It might be, I don't remember what team it was, but there was one where it was like ninth in rushing and 12th in passing. And again, that doesn't mean running more than passing. It's ninth in rushing compared to how much other teams rush and 12th in passing compared to how much other teams pass. But since the entire NFL passes more than they run, you're still going to end up passing more. But this will be a heavy rush offense. And again, why A.J. Dillon? Because if we don't get A.J. Dillon, we can't switch to that Matt LaFleur, run the ball down everybody's throat over and over and over again. I mean, we could, but it's going to be heavy doses of Jamal and Dexter. Because Aaron Jones, I don't think, is ever going to be a guy that rushes the ball more than 12, 13 times. Because he's just, he's not built that way. And what I think Matt LaFleur wants is a workhorse back. Now we have one. Now we've got a guy that we can just feed him over and over and over. With Aaron Jones coming in who again it's like what you got AJ Dillon as your workhorse back and then when you sub him out you got a guy that's probably still a little bit better than AJ Dillon if AJ Dillon can can halfway meet expectation this backfield is going to be horrifying because rather than Aaron Jones coming out and, and tearing it up and then Jamal coming in and just getting you those three yards as he tends to do love Jamal and all that but it is what it is and by the way as I said and, and this is a bit of a read but I kind of liked a little bit of what I saw from Dexter. I think there was probably, like a lot of guys, Jason, everybody else, the, the reason he didn't see more time, aside from having a backfield already, was sort of the mental processing part of it. But when you saw him, you knew it was him because the guy is just fast. There was just something different. It's like I, you know, I thought it was Aaron Jones, and then I saw how quickly he was moving, and I was like, oh, dude, that's Dexter. I hate to go dark here because we're trying to have a positive podcast, but I, I, as I've said before, I don't think it's impossible Jamal's gone, depending on how many they keep and who, keep and who comes in, but I, I don't think Dexter's gone unless he just proves to be useless, and they're like, look, I don't think I can work with this. But Dexter is a Lafleur guy. We know A.J. Dillon's not going anywhere, and Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere. And with Aaron Jones and Jamal definitely not both going to be back next year, it might make sense to move on from one of them now, but I, I don't know, I'm just saying. I think he is, not in terms of talent, but on the pecking order of who gets to stay, I think he's fourth. And being that everything he does, A.J. Dillon is now going to take that job, being the, the grinder, the power back, all that stuff, it just it just doesn't speak well for, for Jamal. Which, again, sucks a little bit. But as I've now said a thousand times, if you're still hung up on the wide receiver thing, 
I just think you're missing the bigger picture. Of course, it would be awesome if we had an elite number two, which almost no teams have. But the point of this offense is to make it so that you don't need to have an elite number two. You don't need to have Jordy and Randall and, you know, Jennings and Jones like we did in the past because we don't have tight ends and we don't have a run game and we don't have a defense. And it's literally just an offensive line blocking for an elite quarterback throwing to his elite wide receivers. That's the entire football team. Yes, you need tons of great wide receivers. The point is we're trying to make this a team that... Because, again, I keep pointing out these other teams that don't have it and are successful, but I don't think anyone's satisfied. And it makes sense because the Packers can't make it without that other wide receiver. We just saw it again last year. People took away Devontae and there's nothing left. There's nothing this team can do. That is a problem. But again, the solution doesn't have to be, well, then stack a bunch of talented wide receivers. No, because it shouldn't have to be that way. Other teams can get by without, you know, if you if you want to try to take away Tyreek Hill, what do the Chiefs do? Are they done? Are they doomed? Is it over? I mean, maybe you could say Sammy Watkins is an elite number two, but that might be pushing it. And it's not as though he's had mass, it's, it, you know, it's not automatic. No, they've got Travis Kelsey and they're able to run the ball with success and they, they've got other things to where if you put too much energy in one place, we're going to hurt you in another place. That's all there is to it. And that's all the Packers need to do. And that doesn't just come from wide receivers. We've, we've got the ability to run the ball successfully and are willing to run the ball a lot. Remember, Derrick Henry ran the ball 303 times just in the regular season. In 15 games, he averaged 20 carries a game. So you got 20 out of A.J. Dillon. You get another 10 to 12 out of Aaron Jones. I mean, we can threaten a team with 30 carries if we want to take it there. If you can't stop it and you want to just load up on Devontae all day, Okay, well, we can run the ball. We can throw it to Aaron Jones. We can throw it to Sternberger. We can throw it to DeGuara. And we also have a number two in Devin Funches. Is he an elite wide receiver? No, he's not. Is he an actual football player that can catch footballs when it's thrown to him? Has he, is he a veteran that knows how to play football to a degree? Of course he is. And we have Lazard, who, you know, again, just a matter of months ago, Packer fans were trying to convince me that he is a top-tier wide receiver, and then we don't go out and get another wide receiver, and suddenly everybody says Alan Lazard is garbage, and we don't have any number twos. I don't know how we reconcile those two things, but somehow we got to. Now, I've never really been on the, the team that he's an elite number two, but he's a capable number two. And again, the, the, the point is, the plan is, rather than just sticking with the plan of who cares about tight end and running back and all that, just stack wide receivers so that they can't cover everybody, the plan is, no matter what you do, we do the other thing. Right, Packer fans want to just dominate the boundary. Matt LaFleur wants to expand where we can attack. The middle of the field, down the seam, in the flat. And the more I think about it, just the more silly it feels. Again, not that we couldn't use a wide receiver, but the idea that we, rather than doing what we did and trying to get the pieces so that LaFleur can run this offense the way it's supposed to be run so that it looks closer to what the 49ers run, rather than trying to actually do that, we should just get another wide receiver and just have Aaron Rodgers throw it all over the yard. It's just, again, the more I think about it, the more ridiculous that is. Why? What is the point of Matt LaFleur even being here if we're not going to do what he came here to do? And we can't do it with Aaron Jones. Well, we don't need a running back. Yes, we do. Because you can't run the ball as much as he wants to run the ball with Aaron Jones. You can't. As much as Packer fans have been saying forever, why don't you run the ball with Aaron Jones more? Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur both have come to the conclusion that Aaron Jones is not going to be a 20-carry-per-game guy. He's not built that way. Now, he did get the ball a lot last year, especially toward the end of the year. They leaned on him more and more. Um, weeks 15 and 16, 23 and 25 carry. 
But the thing is, before that, the only time he had touched the ball 20 times or more was in Week 2 against Minnesota. I don't think they want to do that. You look at his carries in between, 10, 13, 19, 11, 12, 13, 8, 13, 13, 11, 16, 13. You know, 11 to 13 is kind of the sweet spot, I think. And again, it's not just about, I talked yesterday about Aaron Rodgers being more efficient so that you don't have to use him as much, but don't have to see a decline. You can use him less and still see stats increase because he's more efficient because we're using him in a better way. The same can be true for Aaron Jones. It's not that we're taking the ball away from him and we're ruining what could be a great career for Aaron Jones. By allowing him to be put in more optimal situations because we don't have to force him to do things that he's not really built to do, do you think his yards per carry are going to go down? Using him more as a receiver, allowing him to rest more, putting him in on first and tens as opposed to third and twos? Are we ruining Aaron Jones' career by doing that? Of course not. Same with Devontae. By getting away from a team that just throws to wide receivers over and over and over and over and over again, we're not hurting Devontae. By simply staring at him and throwing at him over and over and over and over, it draws more attention and it, it, it diminishes his ability on this team. By leaning more on the run and passing more to our running backs and passing more to our tight ends and doing more of those kinds of things and drawing attention away from Devontae... We allow him to be optimized more often. We can actually draw up plays in which he is the number one receiver as opposed to just saying, it doesn't matter what the play is, Rodgers, just look to Devontae. Who's my primary? Don't care. Devontae, what you doing, man? Double covered? I think we got this. Come on, that's not a plan, and we got to get away from it. And yeah, hopefully next year we end up getting another wide receiver so that we just stack talent, and then we'll have a running back, and hopefully an offensive line, and tight ends and still Devontae, and still Rodgers, and another wide receiver, and we just tear this thing apart. But we got to build the foundation first and then build on top of it. You don't build the house first and then try to pour foundation under it. I don't know if anyone's ever tried that, but I'm guessing it was a pretty massive failure. Just a hunch. I don't know. I'm sure it's possible with some really clever engineering, but I would assume it's not optimal. But again, the, the main thing I wanted to highlight, just for the sake of having fun, is the fact that the Packers do generally do a good job of getting playmakers early, wide receivers and running backs. Tight ends, I don't know the last time they've taken a swing in the first two rounds of tight end, if ever in their lives. But as we know, very rarely do they take swings early on on tight ends, running backs, wide receivers early, quarterbacks, but they've got a pretty good track record. So let's just trust the process. Let's trust that they got their guy. Let's just see what happens. Let's get excited about the potential. And while no, I don't necessarily expect him to be the next rusher in the NFC North to get over 10,000 yards, why not get excited about the potential of him being maybe one of the best in our own history? Are we saying it's impossible that he'll be as good as Amon Green? Why? For the same reason it was impossible for Aaron Jones, a fifth-round pick, to be a good good running back? Don't hate the pick before we get a chance to watch him play. You never know which guys are going to show up. You never know who's going to be the next late-round Aaron Jones. Elton Jenkins was just... Last year's second round pick seemed to work out okay. Anyways, bottom line, A.J. Dillon is in a very similar situation to Jordan Love in that I don't think there's a better situation. Matt LaFleur comes from a long history in which we start running the ball quite a bit and we're very, very good at it. We're very good at it. The tradition goes all the way back to the 90s, but Matt LaFleur saw it in person in Washington. He saw it happen in uh, Atlanta. He saw it happen in L.A., and then he made it happen while in Tennessee. There are no guarantees, but everything's right in place. It's just about execution now. Matt LaFleur has to build what he's, what he's witnessed and helped build 
over, geez, over a decade. He's an expert in this field. He, he knows more than just about anybody how to make this thing work. Now it's about execution. Matt LaFleur has to make it work. A.J. Dillon has to step up and be that guy, which is a pretty running back friendly system because, again, look at some other teams. When their number one running back goes down, somebody else comes in and guess what? They just tear it up. It doesn't matter who's running the ball in San Francisco. It doesn't matter who's running the ball in L.A. for the Rams. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.